What is up, team? Welcome back to the show. Today, I am joined by Kaylee Moonen. Kaylee, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, of course. I'm super excited to be here. Cool. So let's get into it. First of all, for the listeners that might not know, can you just give us a quick background on who you are and what you're up to? Yeah, of course. So my name is Kaylee, as we discussed. Um, I am a coach with Physique Development. We do online coaching. Um, Most of our clientele comes through an Instagram base. Um, But before I got into coaching, you know, fitness has always been a part of my life. I danced from the time I was four all the way through college. I swam competitively and always really had some kind of structure. Um, I found my way into the weight room after college, you know, when that structure kind of disappeared. Definitely learned the hard way, made my fair share of mistakes um, following the fitness fads and things like that. Um, so that's why I'm just so passionate about being able to educate and share what I've learned along my own journey with people so they don't have to go through that hard part, you know? <laughs> um, but within my own journey, I've been at plant-based for four years now. And in that time, I have put on the entirety of the muscle that I have today. So I'm excited to be able to kind of talk about this, dive in and share with people who might have that limiting belief that you can't do this in a plant-based way. Absolutely. And very much like this conversation for the listeners is going to be centered around maximizing your body composition as a more plant-based athlete. First, if you don't mind sharing with us, like what led you to that decision to become plant-based? Yeah, of course. So I had been thinking about it for some time. I never was like a huge meat and dairy eater to begin with. Um, And I actually stepped into it for health reasons. My mom has rheumatoid arthritis and it had really helped her to reduce some of the inflammation associated with that. And for me, I had experienced chronic migraines for my entire life. I had tried, you know, every medication they wanted to push on me at the doctor's Mm -hmm. office. I was tired. Nothing helped. And so it was kind of like, you know, why not give this a go and see if it helps um, to have a better quality of life for me. So it was a relatively easy transition for me since I wasn't already like a huge fan of those foods. Um, But it was like night and day, the difference that I saw in my personal health. Now, this goes to say, you know, what works for me may not work for you. So I'm not here to say like, this is going to solve all your health problems by eating plants. Um, But I definitely think everyone could feel a little bit better by including some more in their diet. Okay, absolutely. So let's get into the building muscle aspect of this. So if your primary goal is to build muscle tissue, what are kind of the main issues that can make this harder on a plant-based diet? Yeah. So being mindful to eat enough food is a very common thing that I see when I'm working with plant-based athletes, particularly in people who are just transitioning to that plant-based diet. And for me personally, one of the biggest mistakes that I made was mainly focusing on fruits and vegetables because, you know, they were already a big part of my diet. So it was like, okay, We cut out the meat, the fish, eggs, dairy, and that was kind of the bulk of what was left. And so I just ate really clean for a long time. And I unintentionally lost about 20 pounds just because I was under fueling and I'm already a really small human. So I was really tiny. Um, So kind of what I see here is people fall into one of two camps. There's either that clean eating vegan that I just talked about where it's mostly produce, you're not really understanding where protein comes from, things like that. 
And then there's also a junk food vegan on the other end of the spectrum, as we jokingly refer to it. (laughs) These people are kind of relying heavily on those meat and dairy substitutes um, that may not digest super well with them. They're having the impression that anything labeled vegan is good for your health, which is definitely Mm -hmm. not the case. (laughs) Um, So I think just kind of finding that balance when you're getting started with it can be the most challenging thing, um, particularly applying to protein. You know, my favorite question is, where does your protein come from? As if it's not possible to do. Okay. Within those two camps, again, like that person that's just mostly eating fruit and veggies and actually isn't eating enough or kind of the junk food vegan that you refer to, which do you come across more often? Oh gosh. Um, honestly, probably the junk food vegan. And I think the reasoning for that is we're starting to get like more and more alternatives So like, Mm -hmm. it's great. I love that, that I can go to the store. And if I want something like that, it's available versus five years ago, I had no options. But now people are seeing that they think that vegan is an equivalent to health. They're over consuming because of these products. And that just kind of digs them into an even deeper hole. Yeah, it is very interesting. I, I definitely agree with like, from coaching a more plant based athlete, like even just like three years ago to now, it is a lot easier because there are so many more food sources available and like more protein dense food sources available, at least from what I've seen. But I, I definitely see the same thing a lot where it's like a client starts and they're frustrated because they started a plant-based diet to lose weight, but don't aren't necessarily looking at the overall caloric intake or like what the macro intake looks like. It's just like, Hey, I'm eating plant-based, but I'm still not losing. I actually gain some weight. Right. So it's, yeah. it's definitely interesting. Like I think just something that people need to be so within everything we discussed here, mm-hmm. when it comes to building muscle specifically, kind of what can we do nutritionally to offset these issues that we ran into? I know we discussed like protein, especially like where do you get your protein? Where do we get those amino acids? So like, first of all, like when we're looking at recovery, I'm kind of remember here, but when we're looking at recovery and building muscle tissue, you know, like getting a complete amino acid profile is going to be important for building muscle tissue. So within a plant-based diet, how do we kind of ensure we have all the amino acids that we need for recovery and growth? So I think a big thing here is going to be eating a wide variety of plant-based sources and understanding what foods provide those to you, where your protein's coming from within those food sources. So a really helpful mindset shift for me was understanding that I needed to include multiple food sources Um, that provided a moderate amount of protein per se versus having like one main protein source, as you would see with a standard diet. So for example, someone who's eating that way may be building a meal thinking, okay, my protein's coming from chicken, turkey, beef, fish, whatever it may be, my carbs, rice, my fats, avocado, just example. So Mm -hmm. for me, like one of my very typical meals would include something like having tofu, black beans, rice, hemp seeds, and then some veggies in there too. And knowing that each one of those is going to provide a smaller amount of protein content. But when Mm -hmm. I put them all into a meal, I'm getting, you know, upwards of 30 grams of protein coming from that. So this is kind of where that idea of food combining comes into play. Okay. Okay. So talk us through kind of then like how food combining works or why this is something we should focus on to improve these amino acid profiles. Yeah. So I 
obviously believe in food combining, but I think it's something that gets kind of like overemphasized, if you will, in thinking, okay, every single meal has to be perfectly combined for me to get my perfect essential amino acids when that's not really the case. And I think that can make it seem a lot more overwhelming. So Mm -hmm. the majority of your plant-based protein sources are incomplete proteins with the exception of soy. So vegans have the risk of, you know, not consuming enough complete protein. So we have to be conscious of having that variety of options in place. So these complementary protein sources can be combined throughout different meals in your day. Um, Your body creates a pool of amino acids, if you will, from the foods that you eat. So as long as you're kind of having that variety and all your bases will be covered within that 24 hour window versus being like, okay, this meal has to have rice and beans. This meal has to have whole grain toast and peanut butter. Like if you wanted to have your beans on your toast, like whatever you do, you, as long as you get it in that span of the day. Okay. I think beans and toast is like a British thing, isn't it? I don't know. I totally pulled that out of nowhere. (laughs) I could be making that up, but I'm pretty sure that's like a thing in Britain. Anyways, okay. So what you're saying basically is we don't have to have like, okay, I have pea protein and then I have rice protein and I'm making sure these are within each meal, but rather like, okay, maybe like this one primary protein source is my source here. And then the next meal I switch this up versus like just going with tofu across the meals. And again, like if we have that variety across the day, that's the most important factor versus like trying to get six different protein sources within a single meal. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Okay. Okay. Absolutely. Um, from there, do you see any plant-based or see following a plant-based diet posing any unique challenges for fat loss? Yes. So it can present a challenge. It's absolutely doable though. I don't want to come on here and be like, yeah, it's really hard to do. Like you can definitely still do it. It just requires a little bit more planning upfront. So the main challenge that we see is a lack of like pure protein sources, if you will, like within a standard diet, you know, you can kind of rely on things like chicken breast or egg whites. Um, You know, I'm just pulling examples, really lean fish here. And those are going to give you mostly protein with not a lot of associated fat or carb content. Whereas the majority of your vegan protein sources are also going to contain fats or carbs or sometimes even both. So when you're increasing food or going through a phase like a reverse diet, a health phase, a maintenance phase, um, or you're trying to grow, this can be a little more manageable because your overall macros, your fats and your carbs included, are increasing. Whereas in a dieting phase um, and your overall macros are decreasing, whereas your protein might stay at that kind of same solid amount. Let's just say you were aiming for 100 grams of protein per day but those carbs and fats went down. So now you need to be a little bit more mindful of your food sourcing here of knowing, Hey, this protein option that I'm choosing has fats. So I'm going to have to pull my fats from somewhere else, or, you know, this one has carbs. So I'm going to have to reduce my carbs somewhere else. So it's absolutely doable, but it does require a little more effort in planning up fronts and knowing what pro- protein sources have those associated carbon fat content. Okay. So kind of off topic here, but when you're helping clients like plan this out or make this work, is that typically a case of just like, Hey, let's focus on these first few weeks of fat loss, like planning meals ahead. Or how do you kind of walk people through that? Is that question make sense? 
Yeah. Um, I think a big thing for me is we look through food logs a lot. Like I'll have them share mm-hmm. their MyFitnessPal stuff and kind of take a look at where they're at, where their protein's currently coming from and having them understand where they could maybe swap that out for a different protein source or where they could pull carbs from say the bowl of rice that they're eating to be able to include carbs in their tempeh, you know, right. things like that. And just being able to make those adjustments. But I find that having them stick to kind of consistent same or similar meals each day can be really helpful. So they're not having to go in and play macro Tetris every day. And I think that's true of any diet that you're on. <laughs> Very much so. I think that one of the I think that tracking food kind of gets a bad rap when people think it's extremely time consuming because so many people like just play macro Tetris every day. Yeah. Whereas like really it should be pretty simple and like pretty easy to repeatable where they're kind of we're just like copying and pasting most of our day. But also like it's so hard to actually lose body fat if you're just in this place with constantly playing macro Tetris, but kind of oh, yeah. off topic here once again. So I wanted to ask you about vegan protein powder because this is something I get asked a lot. So how do we determine if a vegan protein powder is or isn't a quality protein source? This is a great question. And coming from me who has tried probably every vegan protein powder out there, I feel like I can give you a pretty decent answer. Um, So kind of piggybacking off of everything that we just talked about, when you're selecting a vegan protein powder, the first thing you want to consider is that it has a blend of different plants. So oftentimes you'll see a a pea protein or a rice protein. And while those are great and they can work, then you have to make sure you're getting whatever amino acids that protein is lacking. So if you can find something that's a blend of pea and rice, or sometimes you'll even see like pumpkin seed, hemp seed, there's even like watermelon seed now, Um, but just (laughs) having that blend will ensure that you're getting a full amino acid profile here. Um, another thing that I really like to take note of is the carbon fat content of the protein powder. So while this isn't inherently a bad thing, um, some will have significantly higher carb contents in particular than others. So for me, if I'm selecting something, if I have two protein powders and they each contain 25 grams of protein, but one of them has, you know, 20 grams of carbs and the other has four grams of carbs. I'm going to be choosing the one with four grams of carbs because that gives me 16 grams where I can, you know, include some oats or banana or fruit or whatever I'm, I'm using it with. But getting those uh, macros coming from food is going to be more satiating versus it just coming from your protein powder. Okay, absolutely. So is there a specific blend that you like the best for example I hear people say like rice and pea protein it might be the most ideal blend or is that kind of overthinking as long as we have like a mixture of different sources i mean a lot of it comes down to personal preference and digestion some people yeah. will digest certain things better than others for me personally i like that pea and rice blend um legion makes a great product and that's one that has worked super well for me Um, over all of the ones that I've tried. It doesn't really cause any digestive distress, um, inflammation, bloating, things like that. Versus when I was using just a pea protein powder years back, I used to get such an upset stomach from eating it. So it's knowing how your body personally responds to things um, while also making sure you're getting that variety in there. Okay. Okay. Another question just kind of off the cuff. From your experience, when somebody like embarks on like following the plant-based approach, 
do you typically see when we're talking about like digestive issues, do you typically see those like lessen or is it sometimes the case of, or more frequently the case of like, Hey, you have to like dig into what you're doing a little bit more and like adjust sources because those can like flare up a bit more. Does that question make sense? Yeah. So just like speaking to digestive issues with it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I find at first, if you are kind of going like ham from a really full meat and dairy diet over to a plant-based diet, um, a really common issue that we can see, it's a drastic increase in fiber intake. So Mm -hmm. some people will see some digestive issues and distress from that. You know, if they're regularly eating 25, 30 grams of fiber on that standard diet, And then we go over to plant-based and because of the nature of plants, they're going to have more fiber. So if you're not mindful to keep that fiber in check and you're eating upwards of 60, 70 grams, we can see some bloating. We can see some water retention. We can see some discomfort um, within the foods that you're eating. So that was a big thing for me too, is I, that was not even something I was thinking about. And then I started tracking food really diligently and I was eating like 70 grams of fiber, dude, like no one feels good on that amount of fiber. Um, So yeah, again, just being mindful of food choices within that. Absolutely. Fiber is an interesting one because I think that people think that more is always better. Like I always want to call it guidance. Like, yeah, I get like 50, 60 grams from food. And then I like take this fiber supplement, but I have like these (laughs) digestive issues and like nobody's able to help me with them that might that might actually be, yeah i can't say for certain but that might actually be easy to fix something um okay so to get into determining protein targets how do you determine kind of where we set these for a plant-based athlete so generally speaking i would set protein targets a bit higher for someone who is plant-based versus someone who is not and mm. there's a couple of reasons for this you know until they get in the swing of things of finding what protein sources work best and digest best for them and understanding the importance of including that variety, this can help to account for the lower bioavailability that comes from those plant protein sources. Um, So also within the possibility of some plant proteins not digesting as well, having that higher target can account for any lack of nutrients that get absorbed. So say you're aiming to have 100 grams of protein, um, but I set your goal at, you know, 115, 120, Whatever's Mm -hmm. not getting absorbed from that will ensure that you're definitely getting a hundred grams of protein in there. Okay. Okay. Absolutely. Um, so for someone who is following plant-based approach, just talk us through how do we get this much protein without a massive chunk of it coming from protein powder. So even like listing your top five to 10 best protein sources for plant-based athletes might be helpful, but just like kind of how do we go about this? Yeah. So this is a huge thing that I struggled with when I was kind of back in that fruit and veggie, clean eating mentality is I over relied on protein powder because I didn't understand what foods contained. And like we talked about, my digestion did not love me for it. Um, So I do still regularly utilize one serving of protein powder per day, sometimes one and a half if I'm in a dieting phase to account for what we previously touched on within that lack of like straight protein sources. Um, but striving to hit protein goals from whole food sources should be a priority. I think truly in any diet to ensure that you're receiving the nutrients associated with those foods. So some of my personal favorites for plant-based athletes or anyone plant-based truly, um, tofu, 
which is going to be soy based. So you're getting your complete amino acid profile from that, um, knowing this does have some fat content associated with it. Um, the next one is tempeh, which is another soy product. So again, a complete protein. This is going to have some fat, but also some additional carb content versus the tofu. So they're, they're comparable, just the tempeh has a little bit more carbs in it. Um, edamame, again, soy, your complete protein. Uh, hemp seeds are really high in protein, and they have that additional fat content. So of all like the seed options, those have the highest protein there. Um, lentil pastas are also a staple for me. And this is a really easy swap that I think anyone truly can utilize. If you enjoy pasta, swap out your regular pasta for a lentil, a chickpea, um, any type of protein pasta will get in that extra for you while also having the carbs. Um, beans and lentils are a big thing for me. This is one that I find to be a little tricky for some people because of that fiber content. So mm -hmm. it's kind of knowing like what amount of that you can eat and not get any digestive issues, any gassiness, things like that. Um, so by combining those with, you know, the things we just talked about that can eliminate mm -hmm. some of that. Um, a big one for me lately has been Greek style non-dairy yogurts, which tend to have a much higher protein content than just like a standard non-dairy yogurt. They can have anywhere mm -hmm. from like 10 to 15 grams of protein. And when I found these, I was like, this is a game changer here. <laughs> so those are really nice. Um, and then sunflower seeds and pumpkin seeds are some of my favorites as well. Um, they have a higher protein content for the associated amount of fat versus some other nuts and things like that. Um, but something that just popped into my head here, talking about protein and kind of food selection in general here for a plant-based diet, you know, lysine is going to be our limiting factor or our limiting amino acid, if you will. So it's something that we want to be mindful of because plant foods only contain a very small amount of it with the exception mm -hmm. of soy. So yeah. if you're having those soy, um, the tofu, tempeh, edamame, edamame <laughs> funny words, in, in your diet, um, that's a great place to start. But other foods like seitan, lentils, amaranth, quinoa, pistachios, and the pumpkin seeds, that's what reminded me, um, yeah. are also really good sources of lysine. So by incorporating a variety of these things in your daily nutrition, that can help to fill this gap with protein sources. Okay. Okay. So then when we're looking at the amino acids, even more so than like leucine, and it sounds like lysine is typically kind of like the main thing that we're missing that we need to make a little bit more priority. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Super interesting. Kind of a coaching question for you. Mm -hmm. When you have, do you like have quite a few athletes start that are already plant-based? I mean, I generally speaking work with a variety of clients. Mm -hmm. I think for me personally, it's most rewarding when I have someone coming to me and they're either just transitioning to plant-based or they want to become more plant-based because mm -hmm. I can kind of show them how to do it correctly from the get-go. Okay. So when you have somebody starting who's already plant-based, typically, at least in our experience, we're increasing protein targets and increasing protein intake quite a bit. Do you usually get quite a bit of pushback against that with like, hey, this is changing my food selection so much. I don't necessarily, like it, it's quite difficult or do you feel like that typically goes pretty well? I think it depends on the client, but I definitely have had some cases of pushback where people are kind of like set in their food selection. 
um, in the way that they're doing things. So if that is the case, I will kind of look at the meals they're already having and see what we can add versus what we're taking away. I feel like when you're taking away or restricting a client in any way, that's kind of when you receive that pushback. So being able to look at a meal, say they're really loving like the pasta dish that they're eating, then we go and we swap out that lentil pasta. And it's easier and more manageable to make those small swaps versus like complete overhaul. Okay. I really, really like that perspective. Um, I think it is easy, like in a case like this, and I know this is something we definitely had to learn from with our plant-based athletes is like, typically if it's a complete overhaul, as you mentioned, it just is like, this is so much, this is so much change. This is hard to yeah. like, kind of trying to implement small changes into the current diet. So when we're getting into supplementation, um, do you have any recommendations there as far as plant-based athletes? Yeah. So vegans can be prone to deficiency in several different vitamins and minerals. Um, the main ones being B12, iron, zinc, uh, vitamin D, calcium, and iodine. So a lot of these can be obtained through proper nutrition, which is another reason I really emphasize that whole food approach. You know, if you can get 80% mm -hmm. of your intake coming from whole foods and have that 20% for some wiggle room, you're going to cover a lot of your bases here. Um, but when it comes down to this, and I am working with someone who is plant-based, I will send over, you know, resources for them, letting them know what foods contain these types of things um, so that they can try to incorporate those um, before we really go into supplementation. Um, but B12 and vitamin D are the least available via vegan food sources. And in my experience, most people will require supplementation for these. Um, so I absolutely think it's something where getting lab work done to see where your levels fall is mm -hmm. a great idea to make sure that you can supplement appropriately as needed. Okay, absolutely. Um, man, I feel like all this has been super helpful. I know I've learned a lot from this episode, so <laughs> I really appreciate you being here. Um, Thank you. Before I let you go and like tell, we tell the listeners where they can find you and whatnot, do you have any like final thoughts you'd like to wrap it up with or do you feel like we covered most everything? Um, I just want to, you know, encourage people out there that this is really a doable thing. Whatever your reasoning is for being on that plant-based diet, you can absolutely still reach your goals. And I know for me, when I was first getting started, that was a big limiting belief because I had constantly mm -hmm. heard and been told, oh, like you can't get enough protein. There's no way you're going to build muscle. And then I went and did the dang thing. So like, right. yes, it does require commitments. Um, having some guidance through a coach can be extremely beneficial if that's within your resources. Um, if not, if you're following accounts of people who are on this journey, don't be afraid to reach out to ask questions. Most people are going to be more than willing to help you. And yeah, you can do it. <laughs> I love that. I think that's important too, because so many people, when we're talking about like being plant-based, mm -hmm. then this is from someone who's not plant-based, but when we're talking about it, so many people like in the coaching space are just like, what? Like that's dumb. It's so much harder. Right. But it's, it's your decision at the end of the day. And as you said, like, if you want to do it, you should do it and you can. Right. Yeah. But I think it's, <laughs> I think it's important to like have this information out there so people can understand how to go about it. But Again, I really appreciate you being here, Kaylee. Um, before I let you go, we just tell the listeners where they can find you and anything at all you'd like to plug. Yeah, you can find me on Instagram. My handle is Kaylee Moon underscore fit. Okay, perfect. And then per usual, 
we've learned so much from the physique development team. So I always appreciate any of y'all coming on the show. Um, I will link up like the physique development podcast, YouTube, you guys' team page as well in the show notes. So the listeners can find everything that you guys do. Um, and again, thank you so much for being here. Yeah. Thank you for having me.